Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Ron Wilson, CEO of InterviewStream and the host of Talent Storm, where we'll chat about everything that meets at the intersection of talent and organizational performance. We're focused on exploring the tips, tricks, and techniques for identifying and fostering talent and creating high-performance teams and organizations. I'm excited to be joined today by James Hornick. James has over 20 years of experience, predominantly in recruiting, but started his career in sales. He's a partner at the recruit recruiting firm Hirewell and recently co-founded a new firm called Careerwell. James, welcome to the Talent Storm podcast. I'm honored to have you with me today. Thanks, Ron. It's a, a pleasure to talk with you as always, especially on the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, it's awesome to be with you and uh, it's awesome to have you on the other side of the mic this time and uh, host you. So uh, nice. looking forward to it. So what do you want to talk about today? I can, I can, I can, there's a lot of things obviously happening kind of in the hiring and recruiting realm with the year we've had, but I'm curious, uh, where do you want me to start? Yeah, well, I guess, why don't we begin with uh, a little bit about your background? I mean, you, I know you've been doing recruiting for 15 years and you recently co-founded a, a, another company and would love to share with the audience your background in recruiting. Sure. I mean, if, if you want to go the whole way back, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, as you mentioned, I started my career in sales. So before I got into recruiting, um, I worked in global sales for my first job with, with was with a division of WorldCom, which was a fun way to start your career. Oh, boy. Um, and then I worked for, uh, as, as they it crashed, and then I went to, uh, to Akamai Technologies. Um, after that, I mean, the, the post, I'm always very candid about this, the post 911com crash when you're in your early 20s was not a great time to be in tech sales. So uh, made a transition into uh, into recruiting and it's realized it's, it's basically the same thing, you know? So um, what I always liked about recruiting is instead of relying on a technology product being good or not, you know what I mean, or being sellable, it was really your own ability to work with people and understand their hiring problem and understand this, the flip side, understand kind of what people are looking for in their careers. You do, you do your own fulfillment. So you, it's, it's all on you. There's no one else you can, if, if you're having a bad year, you're not good at it or whatever, that's something you have to do, not anybody else. So um, I, uh, I, I recruited for basically one year before I joined Hirewell. Um, that was in 2005, I joined Hirewell. Uh, we were a small firm back in those days. It was just, you know, four of us. Um, we did all tech recruiting. Um, but our aspirations were always to be something more complete, I guess, for our clients, where we could solve their talent acquisition challenges, whatever they are. Um, so, you know, we built out, the way we went about that was building out. We have right now five different teams of recruiters that focus in different areas. So we do tech, we do um, sales recruiting, digital experience and marketing, finance and accounting, and HR. So I almost forgot the last one. Um, <laughs> so when we work with companies, we're able to, you know, really kind of understand, we're able, we have experts in a lot of different areas and it's really allowed us to do a lot of custom solutioning. So a lot of the work we do nowadays is focused on companies that have, you know, around funding or merger or some inflection point where they need to hire a lot and they're in a pinch. And those are the kind of things we'd like to take on because we do more than just kind of sourcing candidates. We're actually coming up with solutions where we can help them set up their ATS. We can help them with our interview process. We can help them formulate offers. It's really kind of all the strategy and process stuff that happens behind the scenes we get very involved in. Um, and then I guess more recently, because you mentioned career well, um, that was kind of our side gig and the, the, the train wreck that was 2020, right? So, um, you know, as you know, as you can imagine, the recruiting in, in March and April of this year was a slow time. Um, but we had always wanted to get in the job seeker side. Mm. So being more than just a recruiting firm, but actually helping people become better at job seeking, you know, 
And what we did during that time frame was we did over 200 free one-to-one coaching sessions with people who were struggling, who were needing to look for new positions, just to understand what, what the challenge was. Um, we're so used to it because we're in it every single day right. that it comes natural to us. Um, whereas, you know, we, we take for granted where people I make this joke and I mean this, I mean this with nothing but love, but most people are very good at what they do, but they job seek so infrequently that they kind of suck at job seeking. You know? right. and it's just a little bit of help they need to, to really make the difference. And so we kind of took all those conversations and put that into a core curriculum. So it's stuff that touches on everything from, you know, not just setting up a resume, but in terms of how to brand yourself, in terms of how to target companies, how to network, how to interview better, how to negotiate, like all these kind of core areas. We have that kind of core curriculum, and then we're going to be setting up the actual formal one-on-one coaching soon, and then down the road, not real much, getting into some technology pieces that will also help people manage the search. Well, that's awesome. We should definitely keep in touch on that front because, you know, I think, you know, we – we have an interview prep product and uh, I'm very passionate about ensuring all candidates are prepared to be the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what level they're at, whether it's a high school kid getting their first job or a college student getting an internship or a military vet coming out and, you know, into the workforce or a skill-based professional, you know, you name it. I think uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Most people are ill-prepared you know, for the interviews. But, but ironically, what I found in my career is that folks like you, folks like Hirewell, actually do the best job of preparing candidates. It's like search mm-hmm. firms, recruitment firms seem to get it when it comes to recruiting and ensuring that the candidates are well prepared, you know, versus my experience on the, on the corporate side is recruiters just don't seem to have the time to, you know, to spend with the candidates to make sure that they're, you know, um, representing themselves, you know, as best as possible. And my ignorance, you know, in question towards you is, you know, as a recruiter, I would think the most important thing that you should be doing is making sure that your candidate is representing themselves the best that they can with the hiring folks that you're putting them in front of. Because that's, at the end of the day, that's a bit of a, you know, reflection on you, isn't it? Absolutely. And it, I guess it's, um, we, we should be, we'll also be realistic about how the, the I, I guess the reason why if your candidates who come through a recruiting firm are better prepared than the ones you might find that, that just talk to an internal recruiter, you know, honestly, it's because like, you know, my first job in, in recruiting was 100% commission, you know, like wow. I only got paid if they got the job. And here's the thing, there's a lot of people, as I said, who are great at their job, but they just suck at interviewing. And mm-hmm. knowing that feeling that you you know in your heart you found the right candidate for a company, but they didn't get the job anyway because they just didn't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like that's right. it's, it's it's a terrible feeling for both your yourself and the candidate. You know, so that's why you want to make sure that you're, you know, you you want to make sure you're doing right by your client, right by the candidate, but you also want to make sure you're getting paid yourself. You know, you did the work in finding the right person. So um, it's just it's just really it, that that's such a huge part of it is just making sure people don't you know. People get nervous. There's a lot of ways interviews go bad. So it's just um, doing whatever you can to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, no doubt. So obviously you've, you've been doing this for a while. Uh, I'm sure you've seen things over the last 15 years in the recruiting world, you know, change. Mm-hmm. But obviously the last six months has been wild for all of us. I mean, you talked about March, you know, March and April things, you know, changed overnight on you. You know, I'd love to, you know, what have been some of the fundamental things from a recruiting standpoint that you think has shifted today from pre-March? 
You know, it's it's interesting. I think that um, candidates are, it's easier for companies to do interviews and it's easier for candidates to do a lot of interviews. So um, I, I guess I should preface this by saying that the economy, the, the job economy is not that bad for a lot of circles. Like we actually did a study recently just on a day-driven study on like tech salaries. Um, and it's by, by June tech was back to the normal rate in terms of like hiring and everything else. Oh, wow. So, you know, there's still some areas that are struggling more, but a lot of the circles that we work in, like mm -hmm. things are not really bad at all. And I think a lot of tech salaries are actually up three to 15%, depending on the level from last year. Oh, wow. So people are getting paid more now than they were a year ago in tech. So yeah, you wouldn't have thought that right intuitively. Yeah. I mean, and, and admittedly, we only did this on tech, and if, I'm sure if you look at marketing HR, there's some other areas where it's down, but it's, the point is that it's not down across the board, and there's some areas that are doing fine. Right. Um, candidates are finding it, um, there's a lot of candidates that are getting way more multiple interview situation and multiple offer situations because Zoom, and, and you're doing, when you're doing everything remotely, it's easier to do more. You don't have to take time off to go out. So like when in the past, when candidates may only have time to look at one or two things at a time, they can look at four five, six, like there's no limit to how many things people can evaluate. So, mm. um, so from that standpoint, there's definitely a lot of people talking to more companies. Um, we're also, but the other, the flip side of it too, we're also seeing a lot of passive candidates, meaning candidates that are still working, take counter offers and reject offers at a higher rate than we've ever seen. Um, just because like something's got to be really, really good for someone to make a move right now. You know, if you're in a, if you're in a position that isn't terrible, you know, maybe, maybe you do want something better, but it's, it's, it's not a terrible job. You don't need to make a move. Um, something needs to be truly great just because like there is that much uncertainty. If you know that your company's stable and that you're going to have a position, like why would you take a risk? Which is why we're seeing that a lot. You know, it's, it's always hard to kind of take a, take a leap of faith with a company you haven't talked to before or haven't worked with before. Right. Well, we're certainly seeing that also, you know, as a smaller you know, organization, I think people are uh, more risk adverse than they've ever been today, given everything going on. And, and we are definitely seeing, you know, a, a lot more questions around, you know, financial stability, long term mm -hmm. intentions, you know, how deep uh, capital do you have, you know, to go after and where do you see the market going? You know, it, it is interesting, you know, from a from a candidate perspective, obviously, you've leaned in a lot. To, to enabling candidates. I mean, what, what sort of advice and guidance are, are you giving candidates in today's climate? There's a lot of things. So where would I start? I mean, the, the biggest thing is like the, the mental shift. I think that most candidates, not all, but the, they're kind of programmed to think that they just need to put a resume together and they need to apply to a bunch of jobs. And during a great economy, maybe that can be effective depending on what field you're in, but it's not it's not a way to really set yourself apart. And it's, it's really going to be especially hard in a down economy. So we talk a lot about proactive job searching and it's a very much a networking focused, personal networking focused job searching approach. So I always start by, you know, first it comes down to finalizing your story. Who are you? What's your elevator? When someone asks you, who are you? What are you about? Tell me about yourself. Like what's your answer to that question? It's gotta be good. You know, um, and then coming up with a list of companies you're just genuinely interested in. Like forget about the positions posted, where do you think you wanna work? And make this a big list that you couldn't come up with off the top of your head, do some research. And then it just comes down to doing as many informational interviews as possible, reaching out to people, explaining your story. Don't say I'm looking for a job, but hey, I'm looking for advice. I'm looking to make a career pivot. I'm looking for, you know, I, I think that 
the biggest money maker I've seen for people in terms of having some success in the networking realm is just being more comfortable with asking for help mm-hmm. with something specific in terms of like, I'm looking to make this kind of career shift or I'm looking to get in this new area. And I can see you have a lot of experience and would you mind answering a few questions for me? I'm just trying to, any way you can get an interaction with people like that, they're way more likely to help someone who has some questions versus I think people are programmed to, to think like if, when someone asks them for a job, they're like, sorry, not hiring, can't help. But, you know, it's just so that shift and just talking to as many people who are interested in helping as possible, because from those conversations, lots of doors open up. Right. So it really, that's really what it comes down to. They can refer you to other people. Maybe they do have something at their company. Maybe they have another friend at another company that needs to hire somebody. You just have to, you just have to talk to as many people as you can. Yeah, it, it is, uh, it is humbling and exciting to see how many people are actually proactively putting themselves out there to be available for job seekers or for people who are looking for advice and guidance or coaching, you know, and whatnot. So it's, a uh, it's good to see humanity pulling together. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for it. Every time someone just messages me randomly on LinkedIn and just asks me for help, like, sure, let's talk. You know, like, I never say no to those. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah, that'd be the best time management thing, but <laughs> it's just, yeah. you never know. I want to help, so. Well, hey, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're probably uh, from the same cloth in that, you know, we, we, we just want to make positive impacts on people's mm-hmm. lives and, you know, subtle ways we can do, do it. Let's do it. Uh, that's great. Absolutely. So um, obviously the, the recruiting world for some has, uh, has shifted dramatically. I mean, you know, I know you work with a lot of different organizations, you know, what are you seeing happening from a recruiter standpoint? Like, you know, not everybody's as busy as they used to be. Are you seeing like any shifts in, in job roles? I mean, things people getting more proactive on maybe, or, you know, what, what do you, what's going on in the recruiters world for those who maybe aren't as busy as they used to be? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are getting their, their priorities shifted and I have to say it's kind of a good thing. Cause I, I think that it's good that um, it's good that a lot of recruiters are given the opportunity to work on different stuff. It's also good that some companies are finally getting around to other things. So like, I'll give you some example. Um, there's, there's a lot of companies, especially this year, finally focusing on their DDI initiatives mm-hmm. that maybe we're punting those and never, just never got around to them. Um, so I've talked to a lot of recruiters who are taking a vested interest in leading that for their companies. Um, even some things like, um, you know, upgrading your ATS or your internal automation processes like that. Like it's stuff that's very impactful, um, getting organized and getting better data that always gets kind of put to the side when, when, when it's always a hair on fire recruiting drill. Um, like us personally, I can say like we obviously, I was able to get more people into the content game. So doing, but a lot of companies are spending more time on their employer brand, a lot more time on their kind of employer messaging. I mean, there's no shortage of projects that a recruiter can do to, to keep themselves busy that have a lot of long-term value in an organization. It's just that I think a lot of times that recruiters, internal recruiters kind of get stuck in that trap of it's always a reactive job during normal times. And right. I think it's, uh, so it's, it's given them a chance to kind of take a step back and take on a lot more strategic projects that have a bigger impact on a longer term. What are you, um, you know, a, an area that's uh, obviously near and dear to my heart is technology. You know, what, what, are, what have you seen from uh, an adoption or change in adoption maybe in technology over the last six months? Within, I'm trying to think, within our clients, it's um, a good question. I don't know if I'm the best to answer that because I don't necessarily have visibility in what they're doing. Right. 
specifically. Right. Um, I know that I've talked to a lot of places that have, I mean, just talking to people more loosely. Um, I know of several companies that have done kind of like ATS migrations where they finally get around to doing some of that stuff. They layer on some crappy system they wanted to upgrade other places that are focusing on some kind of upgrading, how they, you know, how they track their data and stuff like that. Specific technology spends, um, not sure I'd have the, the best insight into that, but I know that it's, you know, I've talked, to several places that are have talked loosely about that, so I know it's definitely one another thing on that list of things places things places are doing. Yeah, obviously, you know, selfishly, we've seen a good uptick um, in the I'm use of video. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised at all um, in that. I just think that, especially the the game you guys are in with video, like it's it's mission critical at this point to the TA teams, and a lot of places probably didn't think that was the case a year ago. So right. Well, I mean, I you know. There, there's always been a mixed bag around the use of, you know, video technology. I mean, this stuff's been around for three decades, um, but uh, certainly the the adoption of it has become rather widespread now that everybody seems to know what Zoom is. I mean, Zoom's become yeah. an adjective, a noun, a verb. I mean, an adverb. <laughs> you know, it's it's not to go on a tangent, but I think that what I've seen is that in my own personal job day to day. There was always a reticence with a lot of people to do video chats. Like it was still, I'm talking both recruiters and people they're trying to talk to. There is always that stigma. Oh, this is kind of weird, you know. Just do a phone call; it's just easier. I don't, I don't need them to see me, you know. But once you start, one, people are more open to it now. But two, like you build better relationships. Full stop. It's the same thing as getting and meeting someone in person, face to face, in my realm. Once you can actually see someone's face and read their reactions you become more than just a drone on the phone. You know what I mean? Or, uh, you know what I mean? You're not just some random person who's cold calling them, or you're not just some recruiter who's calling them out of the blue. They can see you're a real person and vice versa. You get a better feeling for what the candidate's about. In my job, a lot of times, even if it's more BD focused, like I'm able to, I'm both able to build better relationships when it's on video, but it's also as easier to do video calls now than it was to do face-to-face meetings six months ago. Right. Because again, everyone's got the time. So like, I love it. So hopefully this kind of remains the norm and doesn't revert at some point. Yeah, I think, you know, I, going back to earlier, you had mentioned, and I think you just mentioned again, a fascinating insight, which I hadn't thought about. You know, we've always thought about it from the recruiter and hiring team perspective of video can drive a lot of efficiency. But from a candidate perspective, that's the, you know, the spin that you talked about, you know, technology is now enabling candidates to have multiple different opportunities rolling where it's easier to jump on a call, schedule it when, you know, at a time that's needed, not have to worry about getting in your car or hopping on the train or getting on a plane flying and kind of yeah. all the logistics that, you know, go on with that. Yeah. This isn't just creating efficiency for the, the organizations. It's the candidates are, are also reaping the benefit. Absolutely. Um, I think that the one thing I want to mention too, kind of dovetailing off that is if there was a challenge from it, because when this all started, we didn't realize that's how it was going to play out, you know, right? Like we thought interviewing was going to be a bigger challenge. That wasn't really. So it's interviewing is easier now for companies and for candidates. Right. It's the training and onboarding that I think companies are still kind of struggling with. Like that's the thing that's a little bit tougher to do when you're not kind of in the same physical space. So um, I don't really have an answer to this, but I just think like kind of going forward, that's going to be the next innovation in terms of like how, you know, companies either provide services around it or just keep people figure out better processes. Because I think that's the one limiting factor to things becoming even more remote 
You right. know what I mean? Versus reverting back is that's the bigger challenges places are having. So. Yeah, I know we're, we're on our third iteration of our virtual onboarding experience, you know, for new candidates. I mean, we, we hired 24 people in Q2 all remotely yeah. and onboarded them all remotely. And so we've certainly learned a lot through that experience, but I also know, and I'm sure, you know, you can appreciate if, if, if the, the employees that you're bringing on don't have a good experience through the hiring process and mm-hmm. then don't have a good experience through the onboarding process, you're setting yourself for up yeah. for, you know, first year turnover, which in my opinion is like the worst thing organizations can deal with. Yeah. I know like you spend that money on recruiting fees and then it all goes away. <laughs> <laughs> as, as long as it's after 90 days, right? Yeah. Is that the magic number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. You know, um, are are there any other uh, you know tips or tricks that you uh, you got for recruiters? Uh, you know, maneuvering through this new world that they're living in. Um, you know, I I, I think that I mean I think it's a general tip for everybody. It's that um, there's there's a lot of people in general, whether they're recruiters or anyone else, that. Um, you know, a lot of companies still just aren't working at full capacity and you just want to make sure it's, it's both, you, you both need to make sure you're proving your value, right? You need to make sure if, if things are slow, whatever your function is, you need to make sure that you're finding a way to keep busy, but it's such a good opportunity just to enrich yourself. You know, it's such a good opportunity to learn new things at your company, um, get into new areas of interest that, you know, may just open up new horizons within your own career. So like, I think, there's a lot of new stuff I've gotten into a lot of new stuff people at other people at higher will have gotten into this year. And I just think it's, um, I think it's, it's also taking that mindset is good for retention in general, because I've always maintained that uh, the main reason why companies, people leave companies is lack of challenges, you know? And I think this is a time where um, people are more open to taking on challenges or getting in the habit to doing new things. And, um, uh, I think there's there's a lot of people out there that have found their passion in new areas just because they have had the extra time. So, makes sense. So, what what does the future hold for Hirewell? Anything exciting going on? Anything you guys are, you know, thinking about in the future now that uh, you you've weathered these last six months of of craziness? Um, just what are we do with our office space? You know, that's probably question one, you know, like the future of remote work and where that's going to go, even for us, you know? So I, I have talked to, um, you know, it's, I think our lease is up in a year, roughly. It's funny. Okay. Cause I, I talked to, so I talked to one company earlier this week, their, their lease actually expired in the middle of all this. So they don't have oh, wow. an office. They had to get a, we work spaces to have a, like a legal physical address, you know? Um, but I think we're in the same boat like a lot of companies are from that standpoint where we've realized that working remote is way easier than we thought. Um, we've realized that a lot of our employees are great at it. Like there were some initial hiccups with some, you know, people had to figure some things out, but everyone's in a good pace now. And so we're not in a hurry to, to get anyone back. But what does that mean once we can go back? Because there is some value in adding people kind of in the same facility. But um, I think that everyone is used to having that kind of flexibility now. And it's definitely... I guess I'm just talking about higher one at this point, but candidates expect and, and employees expect more freedom. And that's probably something that's going to happen in perpetuity. Um, we're seeing it from the standpoint of like candidates, you know, will reject offers because they'll ask companies, what were your policies? Do you have policies? And companies don't have that figured out. Like they're, you know, they're a step behind. So we're trying to figure out our policy from that standpoint, just because we see it's such an issue, you know, kind of industry wide. 
Um, you know, beyond that, I mean, I think that um, in terms of other things that, that Hirewell is looking at, you know, we're always looking to expand to new areas. You know, like I said, we I mentioned we have this kind of five areas. Right. I didn't mention we do we have a real estate practice now too. So we we um, have a small team that's actually based in Dallas that works nationally with real estate specifically. Um, we recently brought somebody on board who's focused in um, insurance centric recruiting. So we're always looking to kind of get into new fields because we. Um, I hate using the term one-stop shop, but I think it's it's only possible if you can truly build out experts in each practice area right. versus having having one recruiter work in 10 different things. So we've been successful at that so far. So I would, I believe we'll continue kind of going down that path of like recognizing what new opportunities, what the demand is in the, in the market, what new things are either coming up or what things can we kind of fold in um, into higher well in terms of building out those competencies to kind of further expand that way. Be- Beyond the sectors that you and industries you talked about, do do you also cover, you know, all geographies or what, what's the geographic focus that you all? Yes, have? yes and no. How should I say it? So um, we operate nationally, but we're based in Chicago. So our business development tends to be Chicago centric, just because you get to know people here, you get to know more people here, you get more business that way. Right. That being said, we have um, we have a lot of clients that are national. We do have clients that are outside the area. Um, our sales recruiting team in particular does most, a lot of the stuff they do, I'd even say most, um, they do the, they do the most kind of around the country recruiting because typically when companies are building out a sales team, you know, they're not just hiring Chicago, they're hiring kind of all over. So they've been, you know, anytime they get searches, it's usually for multiple positions across the country. So that's what they do a lot of, um, for the, for the other teams, um, you know, we right now, like, you know, the marketing team's got some things that are outside the area. Um, tech is the one area that is, tech is hard. That's the hardest area to recruit for. So, um, and there's such a demand here in Chicago for tech. We understand. Make, yeah, it doesn't make <laughs> sense for our tech team to recruit outside of Chicago. They can, but you know what I mean? It's, it, there's so many synergies with like building your network continually here in one location, especially since the demand is so insane. Right. Um, so that's kind of the thing. So, so yes, we do. We're not always actively seeking out stuff outside the area, but we, we come across it quite a bit. Um, we're doing much more retained work nowadays, um, okay. more and more. So um, our managed recruiting, which is something I don't think I hit on before. Um, that's when we've got clients that, you know, we, we have monthly retainers with, or even just a one time, if it's a smaller thing where we, we manage a lot more of their process elements, you know, not just the recruiting, but getting into helping them set the interviews and manage their ATS and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we do, we've been seeing a lot more of that. And a lot of that work is outside the area. You know, we don't really, that doesn't matter where it is. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll take that stuff on. Um, so I see that as another thing that's going to continue to expand for us. Well, uh, I, not that you've asked for it, but I'll give a, 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 a glowing customer t- testimonial as I was a, a previous customer of yours where we used your managed service and it was wildly successful. So uh, thank you. Best in class is like to say, yeah, we, we, yeah. Have the, it, we are the number one recruited rated recruiting firm on G2, which probably means we win some sort of award of cash prize. <laughs> a nice little plaque or, you I know, know. <laughs> that, 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 that's great. Well, hey, are there any other topics you want to want to cover before we wrap up? Um, the, the only things I mean, the, the kind of I, I inadvertently hit on it when you're asking us about us, like remote work and stuff like that. And right. um, I, I think I, I may have already kind of said the piece and, and stuff I wanted to. But like, I, I can't if you're if companies are out there. 
I can't reiterate enough that now is the time you need to really come up with what your remote work plan is um, because candidates are absolutely judging you based on that. And it's hard because, you know, we don't know when this is going to end. You know, a lot of companies don't know what their office space situation is. You know, it's just, it's kind of a weird up in the air time, but we are full stop seeing offers get rejected because candidates want to know, are you a five day a workplace? Are you three days a week? Like, what's your plan if this happens again? And companies that don't have a good answer for that, actually, companies that say we're going to go back to five days a week, like you're dreaming, you're not going to get top talent at all. Right. Um, I would be shocked if anybody wants to come work for your company. I talk to people every day who, because their company is trying to implement that and make them go back, that's why they're leaving. Right. So, but even past that, like it, it, it's a huge area where candidates want to know kind of what your plan is, because um, I don't know if we'll ever be like a truly fully remote country, like everyone's doing it. But I think at this point, everyone expects some sort of flexibility and freedom. And that's, it's, it's not a selling point now. It's a must have point. Right. Now, I, I, I firmly believe the the remote working work from home movement has reached its tipping point. It's never going back to, you know, mm-hmm. everybody being in the office. I, I feel bad for the commercial real estate market. Um, but uh, hopefully there'll be a lot more condos coming in, I guess, converting some of those high rises. Hopefully our next office is going to be bigger, totally sweet at half the cost. Yeah. I'm hoping for. So. Yeah, exactly. No, and we're, you know, we're in the boat right now. I'm, I'm, you know, we didn't skip a beat going fully remote. You know, there's no reason everybody needs to be in an office, but, but we firmly, and, and I firmly believe that human interaction is still important. While, you know, the, the technology we have here is fantastic. Um, there's still value, there's still immense value in, in, in humans being, physically with other humans and uh, so you know we'll, we'll continue to to seek ways to make those things happen in a in a virtual remote world you know for sure so cool well well hey i uh, appreciate your time i think this has been an amazing conversation and i'd like to thank you for your time and insights today um how uh, how best can our listeners connect with you um, so if you look me up on LinkedIn, James Hornick's my name. If you just search me there, you'll find me. But I think my, my LinkedIn address is, you know, it's just James Hornick, one word as the kind of the thing. Um, James at hirewell.com is also my email address. If you want to email me, I always get back to people. Um, so yeah, I said those are probably the best two ways. And check us out at hirewell.com if you want to know more what we're about. Right on. And uh, we'll also put that in the show, night, show notes. So uh, everyone, uh, that's a wrap with our conversation with James Hornick. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you prefer to get your stream. We'd also really appreciate it if you provide us with a rating and review. If you have any questions or comments for us, please feel free to contact us at talentstorm at interviewstream.com. James, thanks again for joining us today. Ron, thanks for having me. (laughs) All right, cheers.